0: Welcome to the latest edition of First Date Cop podcast. Um, this is a podcast for Liverpool fans in Delaware and those who are friends of Liverpool fans who are in Delaware. Um, thanks for joining us. Uh, this is our, our, our first anniversary edition, actually. Um, we started recording our podcasts a year ago under the LFC Delaware banner. And for lots of good reasons, we've gone to the first day copites, Monica, of late. But uh, if you've been with us for a year, then wow, you've that that. Uh, thank you for persevering. Uh, <laughs> this week's uh, so we don't have a lot of football happening right now. Well, I mean, it's that international nonsense, but um, there's there's no Reds are playing, haven't played for uh, for a week now. Uh, And uh, the next game, I think, is Arsenal, uh, which is uh, over a week away. So we're going to look back uh, because we haven't had a chance to reflect on either the RB Leipzig second leg win or the win away at Wolves, where uh, Klopp, I think, described it as a dirty three points. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some interesting um, uh, work that Paul Tompkins is doing. And you'll know all about this if you subscribe to Tompkins Times, which I would highly recommend. Um, and then we're going to finish off by uh, looking ahead. And we can look ahead at internationals, maybe not. We can look ahead at the Arsenal game. But I think we really want to look ahead to our uh, up with Real Madrid. Um, we play, well, now it's confirmed we're playing in Spain. Um, what is it Tuesday, um, April 4th? It's something like that. Anyway, check it out. Um, it might be a bit April late. Six. April 6th. April 6th. There, yeah. there we go. Uh, course, Tuesday after Easter. Uh, day after Easter. Okay, a uh, years just suddenly felt like a long time. Um, <laughs> so let, let's get going with a look back. Uh, so g- good win, uh, another 2-0 win against RB Leipzig at home in Budapest, um, which uh, is, is interesting of itself. Uh, and then the 1-0 the win um, with a, Diego, a Diogo Jota goal. Hmm, haven't seen many of them recently, obviously, because he hasn't been playing, but um, I felt like a pretty solid performance. Daz, what what uh, what do you take away from those two games? Three goals, three, three
1: goals, no non-conceded, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was. Look, I, I think. Given the nature of the, the season so far, um, and how we've played and our, our fortunes and our trials and tribulations, I, I think that. the... It can't be understated how important both of those games, those matches were for us. Uh, I would argue that we did not play a very good first half against Wolves at all. And I think one of the, one of the, the downsides of, of a season that's been this vexing is the fact that you you tend to be harder on, on poorer, poorer performances. And as a Liverpool fan my entire life and over the course of the last 15 years or so, it's like you always, we've had so many false dawns and which the, the highs of last year and two years ago when we won the, uh, the, the uh, European cup was kind of felt like you'd buried those feelings that you're only one loss away from some sort of catastrophic event happening, but they very quick, they very quickly came. They were very quickly resurrected zombied, I guess, as, as the kids would say now is, as, as after seeing how, how poorly we have played and and I, me as a, as a curmudgeonist arlos that generally tends to be harder on teams after or poor performances and almost kind of like wants to jump on them. So I, I, may, I might be viewing the, the first half of the Wolves game from with those eyes, but everything that I've read subsequently would suggest that we weren't very good in the first half of the Wolves game. But I think that the dirty three points is, is about right. You know, it's, I think we, on balance, we did. We definitely deserve to win that game. Um, And so, uh, again, like it's, it's three points. And I think Neil Atkinson was saying, don't of the Anfield, of Anfield, fan, don't, don't look at the, don't look at the log right now. And I can't help myself. I'm like, (laughs) because we're in that unfortunate position where you have to, like, you have to look around you to see what the, what the other results, other results are. And every time we seem to get a favorable result, we shoot ourselves right in the dicks. Um, and we didn't against Wolves, which is amazing. So um, I think everyone's caught up on matches now, am I correct in saying? I think Villa and Fulham are on 28 matches. We're on 29 and City and someone else are on 30 right now. So these last nine games in, I'm really tangentializing, tangentializing here right now, but it's like these last nine games, are they could be great. I'm looking forward to watching them, honestly. Like, uh, And I, if you had caught me three weeks ago, I wouldn't have said that.
0: Yeah, although Klopp is still saying uh, it's almost impossible for us to make top four. Um, kind of interesting
1: uh, that, that uh, he, he, he's gone really kind of – I don't of- agree with that because uh, – what's his face? Um, the coach, the new Chelsea coach. What kind of, I can't think of his name Tuchel, right now. Thomas Tuchel. Sure. Thomas Tuchel. He, he, just, he just came out and said no one wants to play us right now. like, do you really – I realize that you have like a nice <laughs> little 13-run stretch going on here and you're the first, first coach to do it. Yeah, but do you really want to put that and have that out there so people can stick that up on your on their dressing room walls for you? Like, yeah, I've I've seen bigger men than you fall in the EPL, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I just think
0: he tries so hard to be outdo Klopp, and Klopp has said a lot of times over so the last three years, no one wants to get us in the draw, and and oh, apart from maybe the last uh, couple of months, that, I think that's probably generally been true. No. Um, so, Sean, so two wins in, in, in a row, um, you know, long may this continue, obviously, but what, what did what did you take away? Obviously, you kept stressing this in the messages you were sending me. Fabinho is back in the midfield. Fabinho. No,
2: I mean, to me, I, I thought I thought it made a drastic difference mm-hmm. having Fabinho back. I thought we looked more like the team we were last year with Fabinho back in the midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, it's never going to be the same without our center backs there, but I just, you know, in hindsight, 2020 Fabinho was unbelievable for me. He might be the player of the season for us, the way he played at center back. But um, I, I, you know, hindsight 2020, maybe it was a mistake to play him so much at center back. Maybe it's good. He should have been more in the midfield. Um, Because I I just, I just think he gives us a massive boost. Um, You know, some of the, things i've read and heard after the game it's 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 everyone's positioning i thought was better he kind of gave everyone confidence in the midfield and and the defense i thought um and he, he basically adds height to the squad because you have him in the midfield and you have two center backs um and uh yeah i i just you know i i thought he made a big difference we weren't great against wolves but um you know, I, I thought we had control of the game basically until we made our subs, and then once we made the subs in the second half, I thought we really fell off. We were kind of on the back foot, and they got a couple of really good chances, one in extra time, um, and and it was weird because of the injury that happened. You know, you're kind of just sitting there for 15 minutes, but um, you know, yeah, I, I was I was just really excited, and, and I'm kind of excited for the rest of the season now um, to sort of see. Some formation of that lineup moving forward. I thought I, I thought our starting midfield looked a little tired. I think that's why they got subbed out against Wolves. But I I actually thought our performance dropped off a little bit after they went out. Um, but that you know it was sort of a short week and um, you know but we got the win so it's all that matters. Uh, we we did get we I, again I I don't think we played well in the first half but we did get the better of the chances in the first half. We didn't in the second half. We gave up a lot more chances in the second half. Um, and I think, you know, I think most of that came after the subs. So, you know, if we get a little bit healthier, maybe um, maybe that changes a little bit moving forward. Maybe we aren't so tired going into every match. And, um, yeah, I, w- I was just excited to kind of see us. I, I just thought we looked much better. I thought I thought the team was functioning much better. And that was great to see.
1: I think Jota might have had something to do with that as well.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Jota's made a big difference too. Um, you know, I, I can't remember his um, – you look at the you – know, I know some people don't like this, but if you look at the advanced analytics, um, He's his numbers so far are pretty comparable, actually, better than Salah's at this point. Um, you know, it's, it's a limited number of games, but – uh, it's bas- And it basically comes down to his finishing ability and his ability to create chances. Um, and that's just, we've been desperately missing that. I, I did another kind of look, you know, procrastinating or being bored over the last couple of weeks at, um, at, uh, you know, our, our expected goals versus the number of goals we were scoring sort of looking at how we were converting chances in the first 15 matches versus the last 14. And, it's just clear as day, you know, we're not creating as many chances as we were earlier in the season, but our, in terms of the the amount of chances and the quality of chances we're giving up, it's not really that much different than it was in the first 15 matches. It really just comes down to the finishing. If we were finishing the chances that we're creating at the level we were earlier in the season, we, we would have scored enough goals. I mean, the way I calculated it, I think about 11 more goals. is what we should have. If you're going on expect the goals, and you can break that up a lot of different ways, but point is we, we would be pretty close to second, almost no no matter how you break it out. So one and a, uh, a half crystal palaces. Let's see. Well, right, yeah. So we, we decided to score all our goals against Palace, and then we didn't score anymore. No, but it's um yeah, and it, but even if you take Palace out, if you, if you take that out as an outlier, I actually look at that, it, it's still um we're still below where we would be. We were like I don't know, 15% above our expected goals for the first 15 matches, and we're like 50% below since then. So not only are we creating way, le- way fewer chances, we're not converting the chances we are creating. Um, and that's you would, you would hope that would balance out some these last few games. I mean, it doesn't always work out that way, but um, I think Jota will help out a lot with that because he's been finishing great this year.
0: Well, the, the, the other thing that will, will potentially change uh, with having Jota in the team is... Uh, and he—he he is, you know, what what did uh, lenders call him a pressing monster, which seems mm-hmm. kind of odd. Odd when you, you think, well, you know, how can he be better at pressing than Firmino? Well, Bernie's one the he, stats generally look better at pressing than both Mane and Salah, and Salah's not, you know, despite what people say about him, is is pretty good at pressing. Jota's really good
1: over short distances I mean, if you watch him how quick how rapid he is in short distances with Bobby's great at pushing but he and pressing but he generally takes a little bit longer to get there so there's more time to shift the ball around with Jota like he's he's rapid over short distances and he, and he definitely closes that space a lot quicker and forces people to make poorer decisions There's a couple of times he almost got in the, right in front of the goalkeeper as he was in both matches as as he was clearing it yeah yeah no and I think what this has led
0: to, and I think I, I, I've uh, been away and not been paying as much attention to kind of what the Anvil Raps view is. So my take on, on what I've seen in the last two games is the formation's different, uh, and it and, and it's about for Fabi- I mean, Fabinho and Jota play a part in this, but they, they they seem to have decided to be more solid, give up possession, not not be the kind of team on the attack all the time in the same way. And this I think has lent itself to you know potentially Jota being even more dangerous or Fabinho having even more influence on, uh,
1: on those games? Well, you look at like a lot of, a lot of uh, the pundits would say the same thing. It's like, we're, we were huge in terms of possession, but teams will wait for us and, and even, yeah. even better teams would, would sit and wait for us and, and just kind of frustrate us. And then you'd see it, we just, we'd just we lose, kind of lose our way or, or lose our creativity and, and to a certain extent, and then just start going down the wing and, and throwing it in from 25 out. Yeah. And we don't have the largest of strikers. So if, and might work for an Andy Carroll type striker, but not for, not for, not for what we were, we were putting out there. We just, we lacked creativity or, or initiative. And so it was probably calculated as like, well, if they're going to have the ball, not, if they want to play around in the back with it, yeah. that's fine. Let them do that because we can press them there and win it from them there and potentially create something out of that. But if if we let them have the ball and think they can come at us, then and it happened. We worked for Red Bull in both, in both games. Yeah,
2: Red Bull does like to come out of the like play out of the back. Yeah, I did nope. listen to that that the uh, FFL rep Review podcast poet you mentioned. and They did, and, and that is, it is interesting. It does it, it probably was a tactical shift, but you know, again, I do I think that Fabinho plays a part in that because you can be more solid. He's he's just incredible at breaking up play from the other from the other team, and um, particularly without Henderson out to, to play the the six. You know, instead of Fabinho, you know we've had Ginny kind of filling in, but he, he's not really, he's not really a, a six. He's not a defensive midfielder and there's been nobody really to play that role. And if you, you know, if you watch, if you watch the matches, it's like the, 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 both the center backs, the defenders and the other midfielders, it's almost like everybody was taking their position off of where Fabinho was. So he's, he's almost controlling our positioning and, um, which I, I, I thought was very helpful, um, particularly with the, you know, two center backs we have playing right now. Um, and it just – we just looked a lot more solid, like you were saying. Part of that was we were sitting back, I think, you know, to protect against that. Um, but um, part of it was just the positioning and, and kind of having our, our uh, positioning correct and having everybody kind of set up defensively the right way. Um, but, yeah, it's – and I, I think it generally worked. Against Wolves, I mean, you know, I, I think – you could, you could argue a draw would have been, you know, as an equally fair result in that match. Um, I thought we deserved the win, but we didn't create a whole lot, you know. Um, we, we had a couple of good chances in the first half, um, a couple of good chances in the second half, um, but then they had a few too that they didn't finish. Um, but I thought, I, I just felt overall, it, it just felt like we had control of the match for most of the match, regardless of who had the ball. Until the until towards the end of the
1: match, I I, I felt
2: much more comfortable uh, when but they had the ball. injury. I
1: think kind of kind of threw yeah. us off so after them, and you, like, quite a few of their good their best chances came in the in that third half that they played.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so I'm definitely not going down the path, Sean, of, of saying they deserved a draw after all the games we played and, <laughs> and <deserved something laughs> not it. I, I
2: didn't say I thought that. I, I it's a reasonable argument <laughs> to make. Um, you know, the point I'm making is that regardless of, of whether you think that or not, um, I, I felt comfortable watching the match. I didn't feel like we didn't have control of it, you know, so, um, which is I felt that way for a lot of the matches we've played this year. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, so
0: so, so I'm going to pivot to uh, to kind of the, the the stuff that we've seen from uh, Tompkins Times on referees, but there's one stuff I did read on Tompkins Times that's absolutely relevant to what you just said, which is apparently against Leipzig. Uh, Fabinho had ten interventions, either um, kind of he he blocked passes or tackles, and that's um, uh, the the next best this season in Liverpool's midfield has been four. Um, So,
1: which he was a monster. He was absolutely like he he just looked like he was designed for that game. Like you said against Wolves, he was it might have been fatigue, you know. God bless Mm -hmm. him, he hasn't played a lot of football in the last last two months. Yeah. But uh, he was absolutely, he was monstrous in in that game against Leipzig. Uh, who was it? He pressed in, in their half and won the ball off them like cleanly and said, like this go-go gadget telescoping, te- te- telescoping leg. <laughs> I really missed that.
2: That's yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 you know, if he's a cartoon, he's got the go-go gadget leg. So yeah. It just seems like he, he's always able to, to kind of make a tackle. It doesn't look like he's going to be able to make or an interception, you know? Uh, yeah, he was he was a monster in that match, And I thought, I mean, Leipzig, the way Leipzig played in both legs, but particularly in the first leg, it really suited our style because they insisted on playing out of the back. They insisted on trying to play their style. And that basically just gave us scoring opportunities. I mean, we, we were able to press them. We were able to do things that teams in the Premier League are no longer allowing us to do because they won't play out of the back because they know that they'll get into trouble. Um I thought they tried to get away from some of that against us in the second leg, or they, they tried to be more careful, but Fabinho was so dominant in the midfield that they, they, they just couldn't really create much.
1: Well, it helped that we played both games at home,
0: too. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, Budapest. So um, I'm going to – I having tried once, I'm going to try a second time to pivot to a different topic, um, which would be um, – so th- th- this week, uh, Paul Tompkins – Produced kind of an early view of, of a, a, this analysis. Has been going. It seems like a long time to look at kind of refereeing in the Klopp years, and a few few gems that that kind of come out of it. And uh, Sean, if you want to kind of share the specifics of the of the, the penalties, that that would be great. But w- one of the things that um, he 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 talks about is that uh, particularly in Liverpool games, the referees seem to give less fouls cards than in any of the other top six games it's quite marked it's it's like and and there are what he argues is it would appear that most of the referees in the northwest are reluctant to blow the whistle in liverpool games which leaves you know so so the perception that um like a lot gets let go against us uh when when fouls happen would seem to be Born out by the number of fouls and cards given out in games.
1: It's interesting. So, if Salah was wearing a lily white jersey and played in London, he would have gotten a lot more fouls blown up against him. Uh,
0: well, that's that's one of the things you would guess. But what's it makes it even worse, Sean? If you have the other stat about the penalties. Yeah.
2: I so I on penalties, um, they looked at between 2017-2019, um, They looked at attacking foreign talent, um, which included De Bruyne. Uh, Mane Hazard, uh, Leroy Sané, Sergio Aguero, Mo Salah, uh, Firmino, Aubameyang, David Silva. So there were there were eighteen players like that that were basically, you know, um, you know, class attacking talent. Um, between those eighteen players, they won just twenty six penalties in those two seasons. So basically, an average of about a half a penalty per season. Then they looked at. Um, nine English players that could be categorized kind of, you know, similar levels, although the the foreign players probably better, Um, you know, Sterling, Kane, Zaha, uh, Calvert-Lewin, Ings, uh, Marcus Rashford, Townsend, and Vardy. And um, those players, um, those nine players won 42 penalties during the same time period. So they averaged 4.6 per player per season. So there's a, there's a difference of four per player per season, simply based on, on, on the nationality, based on that analysis. And you'd have to say the player, the international or the foreign players, you know, you'd, you'd probably take them over the English players, just about every, day, with the exception maybe of Sterling and Kane. Um, so that, that is, that is pretty significant. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I always see it when I watch matches and, I have friends that when I bring bring up that topic, they don't want to hear it or they think, you know, just complaining or whatever. But, Mm -hmm. you know, Paul Tompkins has done done a series of these analyses and just proves out that there's something going on there. Um, It's like a golden boy status kind of thing, where if it's a questionable call, maybe they get the call
1: and others don't. Does he favor the word ethnocentric or xenophobic? (laughs) The thing is it comes across so
2: blatantly in the commentary you watch the commentators or or the analysts for any of these matches or, you know, um, you you know, these, these post weekend matches, Jamie Carragher, even it's like, they all play into the same thing and, and they will be, there'll be blatantly, there'll be a call that goes in favor of, of one player and there'll be something equal or worse that happens to another player. And they always justify it. Like, Nobody wants to call it out. That's the most frustrating thing to me. It's like, do your job as an analyst. I mean, they just want to be part of the club, I guess. Yeah. They don't want to be controversial and call, call it. I mean, you could say anybody that's paying attention should be able to see this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just crazy to me. But
0: so, so, so one thing it is probably worth exploring is kind of, you know, is, is it <laughs> ethnocentricity? Is it xenophobia? Or is it some of those things combined with like a fear that will we'll somehow tarnish the product by, by calling out what, what's going on. So w- one thing I'd say is I, I did see quite a few people this weekend in different groups I was in um, calling out the cane penalty that he got, was it, um, I can't remember, even remember who they were playing, but, uh, but oh, yeah. they actually described, Villa. they actually described that as cute and someone was fuming, it was like, yeah, yeah Sally goes down like that, nobody's calling it cute. Um,
1: yeah, it's they think cute.
0: They, they,
2: literally, they, they literally spent 10 minutes uh, on on shows analyzing how Salah goes down, and, and they won't even show a replay of some of these guys doing something that's even worse. Most of the time when Sala goes down, he might exaggerate it. Basically, all elite strikers in the world do that, but he almost always either gets grabbed or kicked or something. So, Oftentimes, these other players aren't even touched. They just go down, and, and there's no discussion about it. Yeah. it's just it drives me nuts to watch it on tv when it's just you know like you're being gaslighted you so, <laughs> yeah.
0: so there's numbers though i mean take a bit of the emotion out of it right it's like yeah. that's just statistically hard to live with
1: right yeah. but, well you look at no. did you see do you remember that the, the 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 breakaway that Monet had rui patricio grabs him by the boot Mm-hmm. Doesn't go down, mm-hmm. and they begrudgingly, begrudgingly mentioned it in the in, in the commentary after they they did the replay about him missing. It's like, oh, look, he grabbed his boot. Like probably thirty seconds there. like, well, you know, in fairness, he it was good of him to stay on his feet. Like begrudgingly yeah. saying, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, at least, at least he, he, sort of feet, he yeah. dive, but he, he did the right thing despite himself. And then there was the one against Newcastle where he grabs his thigh, doesn't go down. Yeah. The the spy tackle in the Burnley game when he puts it over the top from twelve from from eight yards out, same thing. Like he's, it's not mentioned. Like if they want nineteen eighties football, then you can't have it both ways, boys. Like if you want to say it's like blood and thunder type stuff, then mm-hmm. guys going over the ball on each other and not rolling around, then you're saying, oh, this is cute. All of a sudden, like it's you can't have it both ways. You have to decry it. Mm-hmm. In the, t- in the same breath as saying, you want you want to bring back the 1980s blood and thunder stuff. I was going to say a bad word. I pulled it
2: back. The, the interesting thing is that there are some foreign players where they, like Bruno Fernandez, for example, like he seems to get calls all the time. It's, it's I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. Um, it just seems to be random sometimes. There does seem to be a bias towards British players. If you have a live bird on your chest, you're less likely to <laughs> Well, I mean, you, you know. There's also been analysis looked at, you know, Liverpool and Man City and some of the other top clubs have X number more dribbles in the box than Man United, but have less than half the number of penalties called. And people will go, well, you know, they're just not as good at drawing fouls. It's just, you know, to some extent it, it, it's just nonsense. I mean, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to even have those conversations anymore with people uh, if they can't recognize that there's a disparity there, but. Um you know, it is what it is. I mean, I think it unfortunately has affected Mane and Salah. They, I, I think that they don't go down anymore in situations where they probably should because they're being fouled because they know they won't get the call. I think when Salah goes down, usually it's because he's been fouled to the extent where he knows he's not going to be able to make a play. So he's going to lose the ball anyway. He might as well go down since he's been fouled, but he rarely gets the call anymore. So, yeah. um,
0: you know, the, the other gem in uh, the, there's more to come from this and, and the, uh, but the other gem was they showed a graph of major decisions that Martin Atkinson had given Liverpool and and this is just this is just funny um, because they, they he, he draws a line when Stephen Gerrard published his his autobiography where he harangued Atkinson as someone he hated uh, if you don't remember this since that point he's made one it, in the whole time since then, he's made one major decision for us. Um, I I mean, it's you kind of look at that graph and it's like, oh, someone must do something about that, mustn't they?
1: Yeah. Look, I think it's like, we were just discussing this off air when it should have been on air, about the the nature of refereeing too. It's like, Mm -hmm. they kind of need to break up the old boys club and you see, like, is it Keith Hackett? Is that his name? He comes out every now and again. And now that he's he's no longer in the firing line, he'll make these somewhat controversial statements about whether something was or wasn't a foul, or yeah. how the referee got it wrong. But too often, the the, the PGMOL, PGM, is it PGMOL? Yeah, PGMOL. They, they, yeah. they do. They 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 raise shields around around their own and. It, it doesn't do any. It, it, it harms them more than it does any good because it looks like this insular kind of cronyism, for the lack of a better way of putting it. Like we have to back our guys, but yeah. and it's 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 at the point now where it's it's kind of ruining the integrity of of what they're trying. Integrity, he says, with mouth full of gloss,
0: because <laughs>
1: they just don't seem. They just don't seem to have any. Like they they. Yeah. Like who's who's watching the watches at this point? Like. In, var is supposedly doing that but they've they're weakening it and again this is a I'll put my tinfoil hat on i guess but it feels like they're purposely purposefully going out of their way to try and make it make it an, an an unviable option so that they can say like well we gave it a shot and then just and then punt it out of hand instead of adopting it and and and, and using it how it's supposed to be used that they're, they're still looking at it like as as basically like those those Pull along telephones that used to have as a kid that would make noise, and it's they're using it as a, as a they're using it ineffectively and, and and incorrectly, and it feels sometimes it feels like it's cynical and on purpose just to be able to to, to kind of ruin any credibility that it might have.
2: Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I, I don't see how they could logically get so many of these VAR decisions wrong without there being some sort of I don't know. Uh, at least unintentional bias going on and, and and knowingly sort of ignoring what they should be doing as the system has described. You know, it, it's just, so, so many of the decisions make no sense. Yeah. Um, and then they've changing the rules in the middle of the season. And um. I would say before, like you had said, Des, before we were on air, I mean, the, the, it's not rocket science. The model's there. Cricket and rugby have already figured out how to do this. You know, mic, mic the guys up. There are, there are other things that they do that you – know, why isn't the Premier League doing that? You know, they've already figured this out through trial and error in those sports. So why why are they refusing to do that? You know, it, it
1: doesn't make any sense. they it, it, it should do an exhaustive, like, post-game analysis of this with all of the referees. Like, look, if this part of the guy's sleeve is off today, the next time it happens, it also has to be off. Right. You can't use right. it. You can't use it subjectively. That's not what it's there for anymore. We're supposed to, t- to eradicate some of that subjectivity within the rules that you guys have set up. So instead of looking at this, instead of taking the subjectivity out of it, you change the rules. Like right. how, which is more difficult to, to, to get it right? But mm-hmm. hands out here and a ball hits a hand in the box. It's a penalty, regardless.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Like, right. And everybody knows what the, what the rules are. So next time someone hits a ball, you put it across your chest, It's not a, it's, it's not a penalty.
2: Uh, right. I mean, and, and there was so they had a rule that, oh, well, if, if it happens too close to the player, it's not a penalty. But then, like, what does that mean? How close is too close? What What's an unnatural position that, you know, if you're going to start doing this, you have to start somewhat defining these things. And I, I feel like every week we learn some new nuance of what they're supposed to be doing. And most of the time it doesn't make sense. And then they have to change it
0: later. You know, so- so I'm sensing a lot of frustration on the other end of the, uh, <laughs> of the call here. I think what, one of the things that, uh, I mean, I think what it leads to is, and I think we've, we've touched on this topic is that, and you mentioned it earlier, Sean, that the commentators reinforce the thing that looks doesn't look right to us, but somehow they make it sound okay. I think there's a lot of echo chamber stuff going on where the, the, nobody, these people are too invested in the product. Like, no, nobody's even, so I'll, t- I'll take it to a more, you know, let's not even talk about referees, let's talk about this, the game, the way it's played, and the empty stadiums, and what effect that must be having. The, there's no, I think, people, the TV companies do not want to acknowledge this product is somehow flawed or inferior from where it would be the crowd, because basically they paid a lot of money for it. Um, and actually, I think, I don't know if you guys heard this, I thought it was really refreshing. Taylor Twellman was doing the, Kind of the co-commentary for the United Leicester FA Cup match, and I don't watch United a lot, but I turned it on when I saw that Leicester were winning, and he said at several points, um, you know, clearly the game not quite the same without 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 fans. It's hard mm-hmm. to get up for multiple games in quick succession. Uh, you know, you can we've all seen that through the season, and it's like, yeah, we have. But I don't recall too many people on the TV channels like acknowledging that. They're much too happy as saying, oh, they've lost form or some other such.
2: See, Algo made that comment in a recent interview I saw. I think it was either yesterday or today in an interview or at least the article I saw. Yeah. And he specifically mentioned the fans. He said, look, you know, we all grow up playing the game without fans. But then over a certain period of time, as professional footballers at an elite level, we, you become used to it. So it's, it, it does have an impact. Um, and it's sort of nonsensical to think that it doesn't. Um, maybe it impacts some players more than others, but to ignore the impact that it has is – I think it's—it's it's, you have to say at this point that there's some impact. I mean, the, the quality of the play and, and just the way that the, the games have gone this year to me are just not normal. I mean, they, like, they, they don't – it doesn't seem like a normal season in any way at all. Um, you know, I think the fans have
0: a lot to do with that. But I think the bigger point is that the the, the, the TV companies, whether it's the referees, whether it's the, yeah. the the game the way it's played, whether it's this crazy use of VAR, you know, a kind of random points, that that it's not in their interest to say, hang on,
1: this is not very good. It used to be better yeah. than this, <laughs> right? Or but it could be is, better than this. About this I'll, I'll put this as an, a kind of an a priori argument, like the. The nature of the game has changed, whether or not it's because of the way that it's been promoted to us by said companies that have a vested interest in this, it, it, the, the, the the product the product has changed or the appetite has changed, whatever way you want to look at it. And, and I think to, to Sean's point here is like, you, you, can, you the, the adjustment should, should should reflect that. You can't continue to harken back to something that, that no longer exists. I've always wanted to talk about what the spirit of the game means. You use people, people use that expression quite frequently. And again, I'd argue that the spirit of the game has changed since I was a kid. I know it it seems to be like an ever evolving thing and whether or not it's something that we create or it's uh, it's something. So whether the oxen is pulling the wagon or the wagon is pushing the oxen, it it doesn't matter. It's it's just, it has changed and you kind of have to adapt to that change. Take that where you will. It's just, a, and again, if you want to take it back to the refereeing thing, it's, it's, they have to understand that like the way that we view the game, our appetite for the game, what we expect from games is changing. Mm-hmm. And I think that they, they're going to have to, they'll have to adapt the way that they officiate games, the way that games are presented to us uh, to, to, reflect, to reflect those changes. Otherwise you run the risk of, of quote unquote, ruining your product. And that's, I think the onus is on them a little bit to not to throw their hands up in there as like, oh, well, it's out of our control, because I think it's very much inside your control. And you guys have had control of this since since TV became a part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. So I think th- that was my philosophizing. Yeah. No, I,
0: so I think, so I do want to uh, at least finish up and talk about the upcoming Real Madrid match, but just to kind of certainly not wrap this up, but, but just to like, close it out. Um, I... You know, I, I think that certainly my sense from all the things we've talked about is there is so much that could be better and a bit more honesty in the, in the way the game is presented, whether it be from referees in terms of transparency or whether it be from the TV presenters who are constantly spinning narratives that, that are trying to hide the fact that actually the game is much, not as good without all of the fans in there. Um, either way, a bit of honesty would be nice to see. Refreshing. Yes. So let's, uh, let's round it out. Um, I mean, there's, there's uh, obviously you can choose to talk about the internationals if you want, but I really would like to focus on our upcoming tie with Real Madrid. Uh, I read the other day that apparently we've, we've each won um, three games um, in against each other in the European cup slash champions league. Um, I thought we had a much better record than that against them, but um I guess we have Brendan Rogers to blame for the um, for the creepery.
1: <laughs> at least that's the way I look. Yeah, the B team that he put out.
0: Oh, yes, yes.
1: Well,
2: we might not have won that one anyway, but yeah, B team certainly not.
1: Yeah. Oh, look at that. Sean just got muted. Where's the mute button? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I,
0: I, anyway, sorry. You you take me back to this. Gerard's on the bench in the ben out. This last chance to play there hmm. what do you think yeah. um anyway fast forward it's 2021 um they haven't got there's a few players they've certainly lost they've got a few new players in their team since we last played them in 2018. what are you uh, what, what are your expectations your hopes let's start with you Daz.
1: uh i think both camps i think i remember reading this have said that, that it's each one doesn't want to play they shouldn't want to play the other one we're like we should be afraid of Real Madrid and Real Madrid should be afraid of us um I think it is fair to say that that, that we are a slightly less toothy version of what we were when we when we last played when we last played them uh, I think that for the lack of a better way of putting it and rail fans will probably jump down my throat for this but they are they're they're basically a fallen giant um I don't think there's anyone from Madrid listening. You're good. Like, <laughs> you, know, you mean you're going to translate them into Spanish for them? Well, um, be sure to share it on their page. Is there a translate button on this? Uh, so um, I, I do worry about Zidane because like, he, I think that he butters his bread on the Champions League and his Champions League tip. So they're like, they'll be very prepared for us. Um, I guess watching Mo going up and down pegboards, like in Ninja Warrior type style is is, is great to see, but I'm not sure if that's really going to instill fear into Ramos, who's one of the truly great shithouses that is left in this game. Um, I'm not sure that that's keeping him up nights, watching him go up and down a pegboard. But I would like to see Nat Phillips, the first corner in their box, just drill a third asshole right in the middle of his forehead with his own head. Uh, it's not going to happen. It's I, I, again, that's that's fever dream type stuff. But I'd still like to see it. Um, if nothing else, even if we lose that, like just to watch Ramos get his head opened up. And again, that's that's very very small soul of me. I, but like I, I still bear a lot of animosity around yeah. something that I feel was was completely like cynical on his behalf. That that potentially did cost us that game in the final. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, I think that it's. I think it'll be a lot closer than we anticipate. I think there'll be. I don't think there's gonna be a lot of haymakers thrown. Simply because I feel both teams will afford the other, the type of uh, respect that I, they probably feel that both are deserved. Um, it's. I think it's fair to say that we're both European royalty. I know that that Real Madrid has has way more trophies in their cabinet than we do in that respect, but. I think it's fair to say that it might be a lot more carry and thrust of two heavyweights than it is like haymaker flyweight type stuff. I'm looking forward to it. A uh, long story even longer. I think that it's, it'll be, it'll be one of the more, more viewed ones. Obviously the, the, um, the Barcelona matchup is, is probably going to be the most viewed because I think in most people's eyes, that's what people wanted the final to be. But uh, I, th- I think that ours will probably be the second most viewed for that for those for that exact reason and we've both had some unpredictable results in going both ways like beating, beating powerhouses and then being beaten by minnows in our own domestic leagues so yeah. I think it I think it'll be a good matchup I think it'll be good value for money regardless and if if you're neutral I think that's something that you're going to want to watch
0: yeah pretty amazing actually that uh, two of the three previous finals will be kind of the that they're the matchups in the in a quarterfinal mm-hmm. PSG obviously and um and, and buy it a couple of things um maybe you want to explore these things sean but um i i for 25 minutes in the final two years ago now coming up three years ago um they were terrified of us okay. uh, until Salah got injured i am kind of wondering their defense doesn't doesn't look even as good as it was back then no. um i am kind of wondering whether know there's there's an opportunity actually in the first leg particularly um to take advantage of of um i mean they they, i mean i'm sure they can say well they haven't been playing very well but you know they're here and this team you know has won this trophy you know uh, almost as many times as anyone apart from real madrid so I, i wonder whether there's an opportunity in that first leg for us to kind of really uh kind of do some damage and not by kind of going crazy but just with the speed of our forwards and the brittleness of their defense. And that
1: Phillips' is forehead.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'll second that comment, Daz I don't care who it is. You know, I'd like somebody to give a little extra to, to Sergio at some point.
0: Um so he is older. Just saying. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I I I it wasn't necessarily my favorite matchup. I think it'll be a good one though. Um I I do I do kind of uh worry about their experience in Zidane and kind of all that stuff, but they're not as good as they were when they won all, all the titles, you know, a few years ago. Um, I agree with you, Paul. I, I think we were, uh, that we, we ran into a lot of bad luck that night to say the, say the least uh, between Sala and, and then Karius is, you know, unfortunately throwing the ball into our own net twice um which i always like to remind real madrid fans about because they like to characterize it as a blowout like well our goalie did throw the ball in the net twice and you won by two goals so um <laughs> with our best attacker out of the game uh so yeah i mean there's there's some bitterness left over obviously from that final but um i think i, I hope that'll that'll cause our players to be really fired up for the match um you know daz is
1: shaking his head maybe not um it would all get the same thing against Everton after they took out both uh, Tiago and and Verge and we kind of rolled over for them.
2: And That's, that's true. Yeah. But, you know, so the difference is that Salah was the one injured last time and he'll be playing in this match. <laughs> you think that he would at least be fired up. I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting. I, I, I heard Cruz is injured, so he might not be playing. I know he's getting up there in age, but um, he's one of their more experienced players. Um And, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I I, I'm, I'm interested to see how we look anyway, coming out of the international break in general, because we frequently don't come out of international breaks very, very well, but the difference is this time more of our players are not going away. So, you know, I'm hopeful that we can come out and, um, you know, get kind of hot here to finish the, the season. Um, yeah. so yeah i mean it'll, it'll be exciting it'll be fun to watch for sure uh i'm jealous of kelsey's matchup that they got i'm hoping that somehow they lose the portal <laughs> but uh you know but yeah so i'm looking forward to it it'll be fun
0: yeah oh yeah so this is a good place to end because i know uh, we're, <laughs> we're almost out of time but uh there's there's lots to say because uh, you know and nobody wants to face chelsea do they you know semi-final
1: <laughs> before
0: an istanbul final uh, ah. i you know lots of things would suggest that you know a nice um uh, what, a, a goal that, that they might like to object to wins the tie against chelsea i'd be, I'd be all over that be be tense, but uh, I could,
2: I could. Uh, the, all of the teams on the other side of the bracket are 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 uh, <laughs> are, are hoping to get uh, the winner of the other tie on our side of the bracket. I can guarantee you that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> for sure, for sure, yes, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe uh, I don't know. Anyway, we can explore the mind of Thomas Tuchel next time. But uh, we're going to close this edition of First Date Cup Fight's podcast. to say uh, one year anniversary. Uh, I think, our 50-second uh, recording. Uh, Daz, thank you so much for joining. Yes, champagne. You should have brought champagne, shouldn't I? Uh, yeah. John, thank you once again. Uh, if you haven't subscribed already, uh, First Day Cop Fights are on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Spotify, and any other platform that you want to look at. Thank you both.
2: All right, thanks.